being inside. The annual preschool Christmas, Christmas program would have been held by now. Uh, our annual children's Sunday school Christmas program would have been held today. Sadly, they weren't able to happen in this most unusual year. Seeing and hearing the Christmas story through the eyes of our children always gives the season a special feeling, though, doesn't it? Maybe you can remember being a star in your own pageant. Uh, Literally, maybe, a star, or a sheep, or an angel, or a supporting cast member. Maybe even scored playing Mary or Joseph. Humor columnist and author Dave Barry once shared memories of his. My most vivid childhood memory of Christmas, he wrote, It does not involve opening presents, putting batteries in presents, playing with presents, and destroying presents before sundown, is the annual nativity pageant of St. Stephen Episcopal Church in Armonk, New York. Mrs. Elson was the director, and she would tell the children what role they would play based on their artistic abilities. For example, if you were short, you'd get a role as an angel, which involved being part of the heavenly host and gazing in adoration at the Christ child. Shepherd was my favorite role, he recalls, because you got to carry a stick. Plus, you spent most of the pageant waiting back in the closet with a rope that led up to the church bell and about 750,000 bats. Many were the happy rehearsal hours we shepherds spent back there in the dark, whacking each other with sticks and climbing up the ladder so as to call bat emission products to rain down upon us. After a couple years as a shepherd, he usually did a stint as a three-king. This was not nearly as good a role because you had to lug around the gold, the frankincense, and of course the myrrh, which God forbid you should drop because they were played by valuable antique containers belonging to Mrs. Elson. Nevertheless, being a three king was better than being Joseph since Joseph had to hang around with Mary who was played by a girl. You had to wait backstage with this girl. and You had to walk in with this girl. Needless to say, you felt like a total want which was not helped by the fact that the shepherds and the three kings were constantly suggesting that you really like this girl. So during the pageant, Joseph tended to maintain the maximum allowable distance from Mary as though she were carrying some kind of fatal bacteria. Funny story. Maybe it brings back some memories of your own. And thinking about the real-life nativity story as it was carried out that very first Christmas, Doesn't sound like it was much fun to be Joseph back then either. Even though it certainly wasn't the case, he comes off as a a pretty insignificant character. Joseph lurks in the shadow of Mary and the baby Jesus. All the attention is on Mary while Joseph sort of hangs out with the shepherds and the animals off to one side somewhere. How many paintings have you seen of Mary and Jesus? How many have you seen of Joseph teaching Jesus how to catch a ball or fish? He has no lines to speak. Nowhere in the Gospels does Joseph ever say a word. In fact, we don't know a whole lot about the man who who served as Jesus' earthly father. We know he was a carpenter from the small town of Nazareth, so he was probably a man of meager means. Uh, Just another working guy, I suppose. Maybe more of a doer than a talker. You know the type. You know, more apt to show up at your door with his toolbox to fix that table leg or that stool. The broken latch on the door. The kind of guy who would stand patiently in lines, like, you know, waiting his turn to get into a store at the outlet mall these days. Joseph was a regular guy who probably said to Mary while they were packing to leave for the census in Bethlehem, reservations, why do we need a reservation? 
nevertheless a solid citizen that any town would be proud to call their own. There's one outstanding character of Joseph that the scriptures really do attest to. It says he was a good man. He was a righteous man of great faith. And it doesn't say that about too many people. Back in Joseph's day, it was the custom of the parents to arrange marriages. There was an intricate process of negotiation that went on that left the kids out of the picture entirely. But there's little doubt in a small town like Nazareth that Joseph and Mary probably knew each other well, even before the formal engagement was ever announced. Engagement constituted a legal bond between the two, even though they didn't yet live together. If for some reason the couple wanted to break it off, a legal divorce would have been required. An engagement would typically last about a year, while living uh, quarters for them were uh, constructed attached to the family home or compound. Uh, and then they would be married. That would be an event that the entire town shared in, a real celebration that could last anywhere from a few days all the way up to a week. We know from how Joseph handled himself that he longed for that day. They were excited about the prospect of becoming man and wife. Joseph would probably gone out, would have gone out of his way to walk past Mary's house when he could, and Mary probably took a wide detour with her water jar on the way to the well so she could walk slowly past Joseph's shop. I don't think some things have ever changed. Joseph must have been the happiest man of Nazareth, dreaming of the day Mary would finally be his wife. And then one day, everything did change. In a kind of TV reality moment, Mary told Joseph there was something she had to get off her chest. And she went on to tell him about an angel's visit when she was told that she was going to have a child, a son who would be called Holy, the Son of God. The downside was that it was all going to happen apart from Joseph. Now, when something like this happens on TV, the guests explode in anger, they tear their clothes, and they attack the next person to come on stage. We call that entertainment. But let's let Joseph be human for a moment. News that his beloved was in a family way with a child not his must have sent his blood pressure through the roof. We can imagine his face glowing red with anger, his hands into fists at his side, or maybe even pounding the table. Mary would have been reduced to tears. How could she ever have expected him to understand? She could hardly believe it herself. And in a sudden flood of emotion, she probably turned around and ran for home. Joseph agonized over his choices. He still loved her, but he wasn't left with very many options. He could try to get the wedding, moved, the wedding date moved up and hope nobody counted. Or he could divorce her. And neither choice was very good. If he divorced her and people found out it was because she was expecting, there was a very good chance Mary may have been stoned as an adulteress. They didn't want that to happen. But being a righteous man, it didn't seem right that he should marry her either. It was a real Dr. Laura dilemma, wasn't it? Uh, except radio hadn't been invented yet. Neither had Dr. Laura, or Dr. Ruth, I suppose, in this case. So he must have spent some sleepless nights tossing and turning over it, struggling with how best to solve this problem that would also involve his own reputation. He finally decided that divorce was the best option, although he'd do it quietly so that uh, no harm might come to Mary. The other option, and the one he hadn't given much thought to at all, the whole story about the, the angel visiting her and the the, uh, the miracle baby, you know, uh, was true. That, that wasn't something he was ready to buy yet. 
Now, we don't know if he had a chance to inform Mary or not of his decision, because at this point, God steps in. And in a dream, an angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And he told Joseph that that child was to be named Jesus, because he would save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means God saves. And we know that the story had a happy ending because from that point on, everything happened exactly as God had planned. Joseph had struggled with God's plan, but who could blame him? And in the end, God had the last word, and Joseph, well, he did the right thing. Joseph and Mary were married, but the Bible says that he did not know her, talking about in the biblical sense, until after the baby Jesus was born. In fact, we learn later that they would go on to have children of their own together. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Joseph had one plan in mind for he and Mary. God had another. And it was clearly revealed to Joseph, who finally believed in and rearranged his plan and his thinking to coincide, coincide with God's. And we make our plans, don't we? You know, whatever seems best to us. And then we scheme and we do you know, what we can to make those plans a reality. We might even boast about what we're going to do or, or how they're going to, to turn out. And if we reach our goal, we're only too happy to take the credit. But if we find our way blocked, we rarely consider that it might be the hand of God. In fact, instead of considering what God might be saying, we tend to push ahead anyway, sometimes angrily. Or we get depressed or, or we get frustrated. You know, maybe we need to get resigned to God's plan instead. Might save us a lot of sleepless nights. You know, he knows the future, doesn't he? He's the only one who does. And he holds it in his hands. So why Joseph? You know, Jesus didn't come just to save uh, rulers and the rich and the standouts. He came to save everyone. Especially the common, ordinary, everyday, forgettable folks like Joseph who will never be forgotten because he holds a special place on Jesus' family tree as his adoptive earthly father. Remember what James says in chapter 4 to his letter, in his letter to the church? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go, do this or that, go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. The verse we need to hear uh, every so often, isn't it? You know, if we've learned one hard lesson in 2020, it's that we don't know what the future holds. It's okay to make plans. It's wise and it's prudent to plan ahead. Just don't get too attached to those plans. In fact, it's even better to get attached to God and then make those plans, as James says, as the Lord wills. So what about Joseph's dream? You know, God addressing someone through a dream wasn't a, a, a new way of communicating with man. He'd done it before. Uh, it's just one of the ways God had dealt with, with people in the past. I guess that kind of drama in our own lives would probably be maybe reassuring, but uh, it's really not necessary. And now that we've received his word in the person of his son Jesus and and the record of, of those words in the scriptures. Uh, he just doesn't need to do that anymore. 
So don't focus on, on the method so much as the lessons from Joseph's story. First, the angel tells Joseph, don't be afraid. Angels always tended to do that, and for a pretty good reason. I hope if one ever pops into my life, they say the same thing. But the truth is, God often allows other things besides angels into our lives that can make us afraid. And just the thought that whatever it might be has had to pass through God on the way to complicating our life can lead us to, to wrongly conclude that God is out to get us. The sudden realization of our sinfulness and our imperfection frightens us. It's like a, an invitation for Satan to put those ideas into our head that, that God must be punishing us. And in those moments, we can be susceptible to those kind of thoughts. But for those in Christ, God always adds, don't be afraid. What's God's ultimate purpose in our life? The salvation of our souls, right? And if it takes a strong dose of reality once in a while to get us back on track, you know, don't be surprised if he does that. He could allow it. The second uh, lesson is that God clarifies it for Joseph. Now, he doesn't give him the whole picture of the salvation of the whole world, but he gets to know that God is involved, and that makes it okay. He's reassured that what's happening to Mary is from the Holy Spirit. He knows that there's going to be a price to pay for sticking by her. The whisperings, maybe the outright accusations. But that's okay. You know, God may not explain to everybody in Nazareth all the details about what's going on. But he gives Joseph what he needs. The Bible doesn't give us every answer to every question we come up with about our life either. But it does give us what we need to know in order to be saved and be assured of that salvation. Even a righteous man like Joseph needed a Savior, just like you and just like me. And for now, in this life, knowing that we have one is enough. Third, the angel tells Mary that she's going to give birth to a son. Now, that's going to happen with or without Joseph at her side. God's plans won't be stopped. His gracious design will come to fruition, come what may. Joseph's first thought was that Mary's pregnancy was something evil. But as he got the rest of the story, he realized that it had all been part of God's plan from the beginning, that he was blessed to have been chosen to play a part in it, that it's a great privilege to be Joseph in the Christmas drama. This is going to be a particularly tough time and a particularly tough year for people. Our thoughts turn to loved ones who have moved on to their, their reward in heaven or to families spread out all over the world who uh, won't be uh, seeing each other in person this Christmas, or to family who won't be spending Christmas together just across town. There are families with sons or daughters in harm's way or serving in the military. And especially this year, maybe money's tight or work is slim or, or who knows what else. And we're reevaluating our lives and we're wondering why it can't be all Norman Rockwell anymore and how did we end up here anyway? Well, to begin with, it never was all Norman Rockwell, was it? Every generation has wished for a better one, a simpler one, an easier one. But ever since God changed the locks on the gates to the Garden of Eden, uh, it's never been that way. Life has never been perfect, and God always has and always will allow whatever it takes into our life, if in the end it helps somehow to secure our, our, our future in heaven. 
You know, maybe you feel like you're beating your head against the wall right now trying to make your dream a reality. But have you stopped yet to consider that maybe, maybe it was God who put that wall there? You see, God has a dream too. That by faith in Jesus who gave his life on a cross to take away all your sins, your future finds its fulfillment in heaven. Jesus' sacrifice was for everybody. Everyone who by faith in the Son becomes a child of God. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised if he decides one day to interrupt what we consider to be a perfectly ordered existence that shake things up a little bit for our benefit and for the benefit of his kingdom. Maybe you think you're below his notice, that you're, you're moving below the radar, so to speak. Like Joseph, you sort of blend in by nature, at least you're trying to. But you know, God has always used the, the least likely to achieve the big things, the unexpected things. Just look at what he did at Christmas. He sent our salvation in the flesh of a, a little baby boy born to a teenage mother, a virgin teenage mother at that. And he entrusted him to the care of an earthly father to teach him just what it means to be human. Just like that son would grow up to teach us what it's like to be a loving God. Now Joseph was happy not to have to take center stage. He was satisfied being relegated to the shadows. Even today, he rarely gets a speaking part in any of our children's Christmas pageants. And yet he deserves our attention and our appreciation because our salvation is directly benefited from his simple, silent obedience to God. Of all the people in the Christmas story, now that Joseph was quite a character. Our Heavenly Father's surprising choice to be Jesus' dad couldn't have turned out better. Amen. Now may a very special peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Continue with